The following podcast is sponsor content from HBO Documentary Films. It is February 1st, and I have a date. Lena Dunham. Good <laughs> heavens. How are you? Hi, and welcome to the official companion podcast for the new HBO documentary, It's Me, Hillary, the man who drew Eloise. <laughs> this is my friend, Hillary Knight. He is an illustrator, an artist. He drew Eloise, the little girl that lives at the plaza, but he's done a lot of other things as well. My name is Hugo Lindgren, and joining me in our New York studio is the man himself, artist and writer Hillary Knight. Welcome, Hillary. Well, thank you. Happy to be here. Also joining us is Matt Wolf, the director of the documentary, which debuts March 23rd on HBO. Hello, Matt. Hey, how are you? Very good. So it was 1955 when the world got its first glimpse of an incorrigible six-year-old girl who lived at the Plaza Hotel in Manhattan. She had a knack for getting into all kinds of trouble. Eloise's adventures were written by actress and socialite Kay Thompson, but I'm sure the image you have in your head right now is of a girl with unruly hair, a bright red bow, suspenders, and a slightly protruding belly careening down the plaza's rarefied hallways. That image was drawn by my guest here, Hilary Knight, who worked side by side with his friend Thompson to create the indelible character of Eloise. Thompson and Knight collaborated on five books in the series, the last of which was published after Thompson's death in 1998. But as we learn in Matt's documentary, the same little girl who brought Thompson and Knight together eventually sparked a permanent estrangement. So, Hillary, I guess I'd like to start at the very beginning, which is, I presume, both the beginning of your relationship with Kay and the creation of Eloise. Can you just sort of take us back to that moment, which is... Yeah, sure. Uh, it, it was 1954 when I met with Kay Thompson. And I met her because my next-door neighbor was a woman named Dee Dee Dixon. And we used to exchange things. I would slip funny little drawings under her door. And one of them was this little tough little girl and a very sweet little girl. It was the basis of what melded together and became Eloise. So she was, Eloise is a, a little bit of both of these. Dee Dee was this wild woman who worked as a assistant to Deanna Vreeland, who was the great poobah at Harper's Bazaar. And she went on an assignment with Richard Avedon to photograph this wild woman, Kay Thompson. Kay Thompson, Katie, Katie Thompson, Katie Thompson, Katie, Katie Thompson. As an amusement to her friends, she would do this weird little girl's voice. So I went to the telephone. I said, yes, what is it? And it was, I think, some sort of a fantasy of her own about what she might have been if she had been a little girl. And on this photo shoot, Dee Dee heard all this, and she said, you know, this is a book, and Kate dismissed that. And it was only through Dee Dee's persistence that it finally happened. Is there an artist, is there a kind of celebrity or public figure today who's anything like what Kay Thompson was like? Nothing like. I can't think of anyone who covered the ground and also had the brassy brains and style that this woman had and created a musical sound that does not exist today and didn't exist in her time at all. She was totally unique and appealed to a very small group. 
she would take a popular song and twist it around and make it into something very rhythmic. It was completely new. Now, I want to ask you a question. I want to get Matt into this as, as soon as possible and, and, and bring him into the how you told the story in the movie. But I, I want to first just ask, artistically, you, you understand who this character is from Kay. You talk to her about it. Where were the visual cues that you started to work with? Well, I, my parents were artists. That's the most important thing about this whole story. My parents were artists. I absorbed everything that was around them. The books they had, they did their work in an incredible period when illustrators were very important. That has ended. I'm talking about magazines and books and posters and theater, and they worked together that way. And so I saw all of that. That was important. They had books. I started looking at things like Punch magazine mm-hmm. and a magazine called Lilliput, which was they were both British. They had artists that worked in line, in pen and ink line, as did a man named Ernest Shepherd, who was the illustrator for Winnie the Pooh, British. I grew up on that. That was my basis of all my interests. My mother and father did children's books, you know, so I was completely inundated with all of this. Now, Matt, as we're, 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 we're talking about making a movie about the creative process. So how do you go about telling the story of the genesis of this kind of ineffable, like, moment of creation? Well, for me, in terms of my process, I just try to collect as much material that exists. You know, I did a little kind of hunting and found some unique and rare archival footage of Kay Thompson from the Eloise heyday. Um, But I also learned that uh, Hillary has saved everything. You know, as soon as home camcorders were invented, he was filming. But not only that, he also saved every single press clipping from the years in which Eloise was released. So it was about kind of creating a visual language to bring all of this disparate material together. And and animation became a big way to do it. Um, But also I have great, you know, videotapes that Hillary took where he often would videotape his early drawings and talk about them and what his intentions were behind them. And, And through all these different materials, it was possible to kind of paint a picture of that time and place in the 50s when Hillary met Kay at the Persian Room. Now, did you think about what you would have wanted to ask Kay if you had access to her? I don't know. It's funny. I didn't really fantasize about interviewing Kay. I just wanted to bring Kay to life because she was such a presence. Uh, I wanted to tell the story more from Hillary's point of view. So to me, it wasn't about creating a conversation between the two of them as much as trying to understand what Kay felt like as someone I've never met and and the viewers have never met. I I wanted to know what it would be like to be in a room with her more than to, to know what she had to say. Now, Hillary... How long did the process take as you started to create Eloise? When did you sort of know that you had the character that you wanted? Kay lived in the plaza at this period. This is 1954. She had a a little place, and she was performing in what was then called the Persian Room, which is vanished. I mean, all of that life is gone over with. And she was doing her very last nightclub performance and Dee Dee and I went to it and she already knew that Dee Dee was forcing her to do this book. She did not want to do it. She was not interested in it but she knocked off these six little 
pencil notes. And after the show, we got together in the lobby and talked about the possibility of doing a book about this weird little kid. I went home, and I can't tell you, you know, time period, but I can remember July the 4th, because the firecrackers were going off, putting the final touches. That's very late to get a book out by November, which Simon and Schuster did. And it became an instant hit, incredibly fast. First of all, it was released as an adult book, which is what it was. Well, I wanted to ask you about that because it said in the movie you say it was not meant to be a children's book. No, it was. But I'm not sure I I quite understand that. I I, I mean, my children adore the book and and feels like it really speaks their language. What what what, what does this book say to adults? Like what what's that what's that supposed to mean? Kay was a complete her whole life had to do with very sophisticated everything. She was not interested and she wasn't interested in little children. Uh and she have has She had no children of her own. No. Right? And she said Many times, she said, it is the very last thing I would ever do is write a children's book. <laughs> and she meant it. And yet she and yet did. she did. <laughs> she did four books that became children's books. Now, Matt, tell me a little bit about when you first, did you read Eloise as a child? What did you know about the books? I read them as a child. I wasn't a super fan um, in, in the sense so that... you know that you weren't a super fan or is this something he's hearing for <laughs> no, the first no. time? No, he, I think he knows. Like okay. it wasn't I, something... Forgive him. I didn't read it hundreds and hundreds of times, but I had seen it and I had read it. And uh, it was really later that I had fresh eyes and looked at it because Lena Dunham, who's the executive producer of this film, met Hillary. And I knew that Eloise was an obsession of hers and many of her friends. So I kind of saw the book through her lens in a way. I guess I want a little bit of a backstory on this. It's referred to in the documentary that you got in touch with Lena because you'd read that she has an Eloise tattoo. How does one get in touch with Lena? I, I got in touch, first of all, a very good friend of mine who helped build a lot of the things in my home in Long Island, Don Matheson. He was a writer and had gone into doing construction for monetary reasons, and he was great at it. And he called me up and he said, do you know there's an article in the New York Times magazine about this woman named Lena Dunham. I had never heard of her. It was the very beginning of Girls, and there was an immense amount of publicity about it. And she had done tiny furniture, and none of this I knew anything about. And the last thing I would have ever watched was Girls. The last thing about <laughs> Girls. In but now it's the book. first thing, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not the first, but I love it. It's it's a fantastic program because of her. You know, if anybody, I still wouldn't look at a program about girls in Brooklyn. So you, so one day the phone rings in Lena Dunham's house, and it's like, hi, it's Hillary Knight. You no, are. I sent her, I contacted Simon and Schuster. They didn't know anything about her tattoo or anything. So I said, let's get some book. Let's get her involved in this. So I sent some books to her took them myself to her editor at Random House. And she said, Lena 
is over the moon about the fact that you've contacted her. So I was thrilled with that. By this time, I knew what an important, incredible person she was. I had done my little research, you know, and I was thrilled that this was happening because nothing was happening with Eloise, nothing. The estate was not interested for whatever their reasons are, Simon and Schuster had lost interest because sales were dwindling. So I thought this is a great way. Here's a lady who was girl, forgive me, lady. She's a, she was 26 and this dynamo. And uh, she came up to my apartment. We had many dinners together. It was at least four meetings before I got together with Matt, I believe. So at some time early in that process, Lena sort of realized that this was uh, something she wanted to be involved in, do something about, and she talked to you, Matt. Yeah, I mean, she actually texted me from Hillary's bathroom when she was going to the bathroom. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Hillary's bathroom is uh, underwater themed. Uh-huh. It has a lot As of... As all bathrooms should be. Yeah, reflective surfaces, plastic shrimp, you know, um, barnacle. You make plastic shrimp doesn't sound like that. It's blown glass. <laughs> there are plastic shrimp in there. There's no, plastic no. shrimp in there. Wait, are they blown glass or plastic? Don't try to revise my story. <laughs> blown plastic. Uh, there's, uh, okay, his bathroom's underwater themed, and I got a text from okay. him saying I'm peeing in Hillary Knight's bathroom. And had you I worked said, with Lena before then? No, we're friends, just filmmaking friends. Right. I, I met her kind of when we were both working on our first films. Mm-hmm. And Lena was kind of, as he said, over the moon to meet him. And. I think, like a lot of creative people, when you feel deeply inspired by something, you want to make something out of that. Right. And I and Lena said, I thought I could maybe write like a New Yorker profile of him. Which so was, she didn't initially say, "Hey, Matt, this is your next project." She was just sort of telling you, well, then as she, a friend, like, "Oh, hey, this is a cool thing." She was very excited about it. Right. And then I, I, she mentioned writing something, but also said his world is so visual. Hillary's apartment is kind of like this tableau vivant where every object kind of tells a story from his life. And she said, what if we made a little video that kind of showed the apartment and, and told his story through the apartment? And I thought that was a great idea. And we went over to meet Hillary and he screened some of his home movies for us. And it, it quickly became apparent that there were lots more where that came from, that in fact, he had been filming a lot of things in his life for decades, which for me is kind of a filmmaking dream. And um, and I I did that kind of detective work and found that there was archival footage. It became clearer that it could be possible for us to dive into the past and tell this fuller story because I think what struck Lena not only was the kind of imagination of Hillary and his genius as an illustrator, but also the kind of unknown, complicated backstory behind Eloise that I don't think I don't think Lena knew about until she met you. And let, that's, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that's a good thing to move on to, which is the the relationship with Kay was it flourished for how many years? Oh, a long time. We did first of all, we did four books in a row, uh, an unusual situation to begin with, where two people collaborate that closely. We were we lived together actually, not completely. We didn't sleep together, but we spent all afternoon, all morning, or when she got up, which was late. And uh, we, at every place we went, we did, uh, two books are based on, three books on the plaza itself. Then there's uh, 
a Russian book, Moscow. We went to Moscow. We had a fantastic time, four weeks. What year we, would this have been? That was 58. 58. So this is sort it, of getting on to the Cold War. and weird time. Yeah, tell, it us, was tell a, us a little more about that experience. Well, what, it uh, was it was not her idea. It was uh, the current editor at our editor at Simon and Schuster, and he said, "Why don't well, let's get Eloise into the this situation?" And Kay went along with it. It's my f- absolute favorite book because it takes it out and away from the plaza and, and away from pink. We had introduced pink. I you can't. This are you responsible for pink, Hillary? I was responsible for it in that book, and now it is. Think pink should be put to sleep. I think <laughs> that's my statement. He's of wearing pink. a pink sweater. You can't see it. <laughs> it is purple. It is plum. It is. We call this ripe fruit. It's the color of this. A mature so, pink. So you had this wonderful working relationship with, with Kay that then came undone. and, and It you... came undone for a lot of different reasons. I knew she was losing interest. And then she went to Rome. She went to live in Rome. Nobody is quite sure why, but I think she just wanted to get away from everything. She wanted to get away from showbiz. And I think she thought, I didn't, she never said this, but I kind of overtook it. She realized that I was essential to this book. To get it done, she needed me, and she wasn't used to that. And it happened, it wasn't just me, it had happened to every person in her entire career. But she cut you off personally, not just professionally. Totally. Totally. That must have been, I mean, you were still a pretty young man at this point. I was, yeah, I, I didn't understand it, you know. It it didn't hurt anything, you know. It didn't hurt you? It hurt me, yeah. Uh, yes, of course it did. Now, now for you, Matt, was this, uh, this comes up in the movie, and it, I think it's, it's treated really effectively, but this estrangement between Hillary and Kay, what was your idea for how to how to sort of get at that in the movie and, and how what was your view of it as you talked to Hillary and sort of came to understand it? Yeah, to me it wasn't just about tapping into conflict and drama, although there is conflict and drama there for sure. It was more about looking for a bigger theme in this story. So it's not just about Eloise. It's not just a portrait of Hillary. It's about creative collaboration. It's something that I've gone through and that kind of anybody who's an artist most likely has gone through, that you have a generative spark with a collaborator and great things come out of it and that that relationship expires and that can be very painful and it's something that I was talking about with Lena quite a bit while making the film is that creative collaborations are not that unlike romantic relationships there is that kind of intensity to them and the fallout from them can be just as devastating as a breakup and and we saw the story in in some ways as being a relationship story between Hillary and Kay as much as it is also just a portrait of Hillary and his work as an artist. But at the end of the day, to make a portrait of the artist, it's important to examine this dynamic of collaboration and what that means and how how it can impact someone's creative life and creative career. Hillary, have you ever had another relationship like that, a sort of creative? No, absolutely not. It's, it's very unusual for it to happen, very 
But did it make you gun shy a little bit? Uh, I mean, the that that experience of 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 having such a great relationship and then having it sort of no, because it's it just it doesn't happen in the book business. It, I, I'm sure there are examples, but it's rare. Mm-hmm. You know, I think those kind of collaborations you can't plan them. They no. kind of happen by surprise and. I don't think it's unusual either for those kinds of collaborations to happen really early in one's life and career. At what point did you just understand what the situation was with Kay and kind of get peace with it? Well, I had to work, you know. (laughs) (laughs) We all have to work, most of us. And I wanted to. That's the only thing that keeps me going is working. I'm doing it now. All my life, I've had two jobs all my life. I did everything exactly as I wanted, and I became a control freak. <laughs> Wait, now we're going to have to ask Matt. I guess Matt experienced some of this. He knows. Yeah, but I'm a control freak. So Two it's, control freaks. It's, you know, sounds like yeah, bad but news. Find an artist who isn't a control freak, really. I think it's kind of that that's that's always the, the kind of the tension in the filmmaking is that directors aren't aren't completely in control. You rely on your collaborators. And in documentaries, your subject is your collaborator, too. So for me, I completely understand the desire of the artist to control how everything looks. I want to talk a little bit about the character of Eloise, because I think that's a, that's obviously what attracted Lena to the... She didn't know you, so it was the character of, of Eloise that, that really sort of struck her. It's interesting. It's, she's a very lonely person. Uh, the parents are not present. It seems almost exactly at odds with your own personal background. That's all Kay. That's all her background and her own, I think, probably kind of tragic background. There's a very good reason the father is not there. It's never mentioned. The mother is mentioned as an ephemeral creature that drifts in and out and has, a, you see, a shoe or something. I think she had a mother. I know no, anything. She never revealed anything to me. She never talked about her father ever. I think her her whole life is the basis of all that kind of loneliness. I know it is, you know. And yet, you were really able to sort of tap into that and give it. I could under, you know, I could understand it, and I could physically draw this little creature. So we, that was the real collaboration. It was her feeding me stories that I, I mean, we all have lonesome moments, you know? So I could, I could understand it, you know? One of the things I, I've read about Eloise and is that her, her great gift is sort of being able to kind of make use of boredom. I think that's a really kind of cool idea and, and something that's kind of instructive for current time where you know, it's sort of possible to kind of never be bored or to find constant amusement. Well, that's, I think, the real problem of children today and a lot of adults and young people is they cannot be bored. And so they have to have this bombardment of information, which is ridiculous. You don't need to do that. You you know, there's too much going on in the world that's way too interesting. They're buried in their cell phone, you know? I, I hate to sound this way, but it's I firmly believe it, and I think it's a really dangerous thing. I think the computer, I don't... My cell phone is a camera. I don't use it as a cell phone. It's the greatest camera in the world. 
which I forgot and left home. I would have been taking pictures of all of <laughs> But, you know, um, I, I think we got to get away from being attached to all this. One of the things that comes across in the movie is um, you have a very warm kind of relationship with the character you created. Um, and I feel like that's a little unusual for someone, for, for a lot of artists who create one thing that then becomes sort of stands for their whole career, no matter how many other things they did, no matter how much else. You know, you're associated with Eloise to the, not the total exclusion, but it definitely obscures anything else you've done. And a lot of artists have trouble with that. You know, it's sort of that, that, that uh, the, it's the singer of a band who can't stand performing the hit. Did you ever go through periods like that with Eloise where you just wanted people to forget about it, wanted to shut it out, um, and you've come to this place? Or have you always had a, a, a kind of comfort level with, with oh, what yeah. you've done? And I, you know, I did, in between all these things, I did a totally different things. Uh, once I did it, everybody wanted me to hire me for books about little girls, dogs. hotels. You know, <laughs> And I really didn't want to do it. I want to talk about uh, this one little f- feature of your house out in Long Island now. I know you've built this kind of incredible environment out there that's sort of a fantasy environment, uh, not just inside your house, but outside your house. You have this lagoon. And there's an island in the lagoon. And what's that island called? Well, it is called Cocktail Island for what was a really good idea and originally was to have a little place you could walk out to and have a little drink, but then you couldn't drink too many of them because you could barely get up these fantastic stairs made of giant logs. It was all created. It was created not by me. It was my brain, but I have a guy that works with me. He's a kind of co-designer and takes care of my house. He takes care of the garden. He, you know, he does all this incredible work. He is an artist in himself named Wilson Lopez. And I said, how are we going to get down to this island? And he, in three days, had built this staircase, not a normal staircase by any means. He got all these gigantic logs and their levels. You see them in the movie. You see Phoebe as a water nymph walking down, being led down by a frog who is Wilson Lopez in my magnificent frog costume. That is a magnificent frog costume. Matt, did you were you able to get a drink on Cocktail Island yourself? No, I was too busy filming Cocktail Island <laughs> to be drinking there. It's still there. It's still there. And it sinks if you step too hard. <laughs> well, it looks like we've reached cocktail hour here. That's it for the official companion broadcast for the HBO documentary It's Mia Hillary, The Man Who Drew Eloise. I'd like to thank director Matt Wolf. Thank you. And of course, Hillary Knight. Thank you. Thank you. I loved it. It's Me, Hillary premieres March 23rd at 9 on HBO. I'm Hugo Lindgren. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.